Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks for listening in on another episode. Or if this is your first time stopping by, I'm grateful to have you. This podcast is all about the getting started moments, the turning points that got each guest started on a new path toward happiness, the ups and downs of the journey, how they were able to commit to a change, and all the lessons learned along the way. I hope you all enjoyed this particular episode, so let's jump right in and get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome back in a former guest of the show, Jordan Gross, to share a lot of his getting started moments, new getting started moments, um, of a book signing he recently did, um, how he's transitioning into becoming a therapist, and kind of the journey that's happened to get him to that point, and several other twists and turns that um, we enter into as we go along the conversation. But let me read you a quick bio of Jordan, and then we'll jump into the episode. Jordan is a son, grandson, writer, speaker, guide, editor, and soon-to-be therapist. He is a Northwestern and Kellogg School of Management graduate, where he studied absolutely nothing to do with writing. He's a former startup founder, restaurant manager, and soccer goalie, a solopreneur, podcast host, and two-time TEDx speaker. He is also the number one best-selling author of Getting Comfy, Your Morning Guide to Daily Happiness, The Journey to Cloud Nine, and what happens in tomorrow world. So I hope you all enjoyed this conversation I have with Jordan. And without further ado, please welcome in Jordan Gross. You've been on before, so hopefully folks have listened. I was looking back, man, episode 62, that seems like a lifetime ago. That was back in the, the summer of 2019. Mm-hmm. That was so. during podcast 90 and 90 days. And yeah, that's right. All, all the cloud nine stuff at that time. So I've I've also looked back on that time like you and it's like, geez, there's so much, so much happens when you're just creating. And like you said, putting stuff out there and trying to get noticed and having fun with it. Yeah. And well, and that's, you know, one of the reasons, and, um, and I've mentioned this to, to, to and the folks maybe listening in or haven't listened is like, you know, I've invited some former guests back on the podcast. Yeah. Um, great. And, great. and you're one of them those that I wanted to have back on because I, you know, you, you're kind of, you know, in the same light of what I'm trying to do is like, you wanted to change your life and you wanted to create something totally different. And obviously, and, and you can maybe go into your backstory a little bit to refresh folks memory. But what I wanted to start out with, if we can, let's start to kind of more present day stuff. And this actually yeah. comes from Rich. So I reached out to Rich. I said, all right, Jordan's coming on. What do you think I should, what do you think I should ask him? What's a good conversation starter? Oh no. Okay. No, but he said, he's like, <laughs> And this is actually one of the reasons I want to have you back on. So I was not surprised. He said, um, he's like, ask him about the book signing he did at Barnes and Noble and um, what it felt like to have a people standing in line to get signatures and the conversation. So we'll go into a few different areas of that. But first off, tell people about the book sign. Why did you have a book signing? You know, lead us, lead us to that, you know, water and then we'll, uh, we'll have a few drinks. Yeah. So the book signing uh, was awesome. It was a great culmination and just a wild story in and of itself. So I'll, I'll start with the background of the book. So this book signing was for What Happens in Tomorrow World, which is a modern day fable about navigating uncertainty. And it's this really cute, really digestible 103 page um, parable about 
characters in a crane game and these toys they have their own personalities and their different responses based on research and interviews that I did to uncertainty and I wrote the first draft my first four days of quarantine in March 2020 and I I thought nothing of this like I just kept going on a roll with this story and I thought it was going to be this uber long blog post but I ended up sending the blog post to a couple of author friends who have more influence in the world than I do. And I asked them if they would. So one of the people I reached out to, this guy, John Gordon, who's in the same space, he writes a lot of parables, fables, allegories about personal and professional development. Um, he said, you know, I, I'm promoting my own things at the moment. So I, I'm going to say no to your offer. But I do have an idea for you. My old publisher, this guy, Matt Holt, who's now my publisher, um, he just switched over from Wiley Publishing to Ben Bella Books, where he has his own imprint called Matt Holt Publishing. Here's a connection, you know, an intro, and I'm not saying anything's going to come of it, but here's the intro. And then a couple of conversations later, um, I signed on with Matt as his first author and what happens in tomorrow world was was one of the first books he put out so it just came out in uh april of 2021 um and then fast forward a few months to this book signing and the reason that the book signing happened at this time was because um not only was it a signing for the book but the book was in the front window a bunch of copies with a big old sign in Barnes and Noble, Fifth Avenue, and 46th Street in Manhattan, which is, so I was told, one of the top selling um, Barnes and Nobles in the world with, they put the book from from the business department with the, the highest amount of business book sales in the world. So it was pretty, pretty cool to be featured there. And I've got a picture of, you know, uh, I had to get a certain bulk order to get the book in the window. So and, and then it, it got the book in the window as well as strategic placement within the store. So I've got a picture of what happens in tomorrow world placed in Barnes Noble. And it's next to all the books that I read when I was first starting out on my own personal development journey, how to win friends and influence people, uh, four hour work week, think and grow rich, good to great, all of these like awesome Ray Dalio's principles, all these awesome books. And then there's what happens in tomorrow world right next to it. So it's just a really phenomenal experience. And then the wild part of it was that when the book first was put in the windows, November 5th, uh, I had gone, you know, the, the whole duration of the pandemic, thankfully, very fortunately, without getting COVID. And uh, on November 1st, I was I tested positive. So I was busy quarantining while the book was in the window. And if I kept having symptoms of COVID, I wouldn't have been able to see my book in the window. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to have the book signing. Uh, but thankfully, and very fortunately, I, I was asymptomatic after my 10 days. And then I think three or four days after, I was able to have that book signing and have people come and support and like you said, line up and, and get the book around the store. And I, I had friends and family who just had their copies and they were going around the whole store and just giving them to random people. And mm. it was a, it was a great experience. We had a little party after. Um, what, what, so I got a couple different thoughts or questions yeah. on that. One is how does it get in the, how did, how did you get it in Barnes and Nobles? Is, is this just part of having the publisher or was this, 
yeah. again, you, you kind of knew the right people or how, how, do, how do you get in there? Because obviously that's limited shelf space. Right. So the book is in almost every Barnes and Noble around the country. And that's the beauty of the traditional publisher and, and Matt Holt and his team at Matt Holt Books um, couldn't be happier that they work so hard on the distribution side to get into those big stores, the Barnes and Nobles, the the Hudson News is the little shops around the country, right? So they do that for the distribution side. And then, like I said, to get into the window, it was from a bulk order from that particular Barnes and Noble, had to sell a couple of hundred books to uh, a thankfully uh, some buyer who wanted to give it to, it was a school. Um, who wanted to get a bunch of books and then it was able to be placed in the window because it was a big bulk order. So before I, w- I want to talk about the day of the book signing, because that's a, a big, you know, kind of momentous event in your life, or especially more probably recent. Take me back though, five or six or seven years, like, and, and, and I'm really thinking about this from the headspace where you're at today, mentally, emotionally, physically, like, thinking about the things that you're doing, the, the good you're putting out in the world and where you were back. Again, you could take it longer back if you want, but I'm just kind of putting that um, that flag in the ground five, six, seven years ago. How, how does it feel? Like, how, how are you thinking? Because I'm, I have to imagine, similar to what I do, is I kind of think back in those days a little bit and you're like, wow, where did I, as we kind of let off the conversation, like five, six years ago, the podcast didn't exist. And you know, the children's books or anything like that. And it's like, wow, how have I changed so much? So I'm curious how, how much you have changed in those yeah. last handful of years. Yeah. So the person that comes seven years ago at this time, I was bouncing around Europe, drinking my, my face off and not having a care in the world about anyone but myself and having fun and, and all that stuff. So that was that was where I was at, and and even though I knew there were things that I wanted to accomplish in the world, it wasn't even a thought yet. You know, it was all about maximizing my enjoyment and entertainment because I was twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five years ago, six years ago, from a professional standpoint, I was following the crowd. I was just following the herd. Uh, probably going into consulting, investment banking, something stable, make money, go into a place with good career opportunities, and then just kind of follow that trajectory of having a good life according to the very traditional societal norms of making a lot of money and doing something that a, a male is supposed to do based on my peer group, my my soccer friends, my fraternity brothers, and all all the people that I was interacting with. So that's that's really where I was. And then there was always this this little voice in the back of my head, um, and it had it had come through to that point. Like I I did a concentration in civic engagement. I started organizations in college that were more helping related, mm-hmm. um, but it never fully formed. I never fully embraced it. I always just thought that was going to be something on the side, like my passion was always going to be on the side while my core was going to be something that I just tolerated to make a lot of money essentially. But then I had such a transformation and I realized that I should put the passion at the forefront. I should put what I was enjoying at the forefront and then create stability out of that. So 
you know, I thinking where I was to where I am now, like I've, I've created a, a number of different opportunities, whether it's books, editing, speaking, um, writing. Now I'm in school and becoming a therapist. Like that's where some of the stability will come from. So I'm, I'm making my life center around what I enjoy as opposed to pushing that all to the side. Can you share that turning point moment? And, and maybe there's more than one, but kind of that got you off that maybe path you were going down that maybe wasn't as good for you or was, wasn't going to be fulfilling to the one you're on today. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think there's a collection of moments, you know, um, one of the moments that I look back and it's, it's one of those moments where at the time it was devastating, but looking back, it was the greatest gift I could have been given was actually not getting any job offers after months of the consulting recruiting process. My senior year of college, I, I was going into these interviews. I had all these interviews lined up. I would move on through the interviews, but then I just never got the offer. All my peers were getting their offers. They're signing up with these big time consulting firms. And I, I did not because um, that's where I thought I wanted to be. And I was crushed at the time. But looking back, you know, I, I say to myself, the reason why I didn't get any of the offers is because thankfully the people knew that that's not where I was meant to be. That's not where I mm -hmm. wanted to be. So that's really what shifted my mindset a little bit. But then after that, I still didn't fully commit, like I said to you, right? Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing a master's in management studies. And I did a pretty good job of making that into a turning point. So I ended up going into the food industry, uh, the restaurant industry. And uh, that was different. You know, that was different than my peers. I, I was still surrounded by consultants and investment bankers and that world. So I decided to go into the, the restaurant industry because I loved it so much. I wanted to get going on what I truly believed in and thought was going to be my, mm -hmm. my life. Um, but I went back to the old mindset, right? The underlying values uh, that I, I now realize were not as important. I ended up choosing this restaurant position that I did because of the salary, because of the prestige that came with it. You know, I was, I, I remember the, the gripping point was like, oh, this, this, this management rotational program you're doing is a, it's the Goldman stacks of the restaurant. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm doing something different, but really a, ultimately it was essentially the same. I was going for that, 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 um, that prestige that comes along with it. So my moment then that said like, okay, it's not this, this isn't your thing either was, uh, I remember being in a, a meat freezer, suit and tie meat freezer, counting inventory. And I locked myself out of my office in the restaurant. And I was just like, sitting on the floor, locked out four or five o'clock in the morning after a late restaurant shift. And I'm just like, what am I doing here? Like, yeah. this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Sure. It's different than banking or consulting, but it's not, it's still not me. It's not helping anyone. It's, it's, I'm not creating, I'm not innovating. I'm not trailblazing. Right. So that was when I quit that position. Um, month and a half later, I self-published my first book. And then I dove into that world while I was exploring uh, more of myself and exploring more opportunities to 
embrace fully the other side of me that was always there that I just never gave the the time or the space. Why do you think that time, and I, and I, and I appreciate you talk about some of those turning points, but why do you think that time was different? Do you, do you think back about that? Like, why was it different? Because there was other points I'm assuming, and I'm making assumptions because I can just look at my life or other people I know. Mm-hmm. We have all of these type of, you know, quote unquote inflection points, but sometimes yeah. we don't do anything with them. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, and hopefully everyone gets to this point where they commit to a change. And, and like you did, you dramatically changed that. Do you recall at all what was the tipping point to get you to actually make the change and not just say you're going to change, but commit to it? I think there were two, two things, uh, two combining forces. I think number one was the external, which was having the support and the love from my parents Uh, my friends, my family. So that was the external force of, okay, this also isn't for you. But thankfully, I had that motive, that that motivation and the, the uh, advocacy from them to go and do something else and and explore and also the, the safety, right? So I did, I did have a safety net, I knew that with a loving family, I would never be homeless, searching for my next meal. Right. So I, I never would hit that, that sort of uh, low. So, but then the internal force was the, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just the inability to move forward, feeling like uh, a faker or a phony or just tolerating what I was doing. Um, it, it just got to a point where that was enough. And, and the only decision to make was, was no longer doing it. Yeah. You know, I think about it too. I was trying to explain this to my son this weekend, actually. And about, I was like, I was just trying to explain to him about, you know, the importance of trying to be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't always rely on other people. You have to, now there's times it's important to rely on other people. Those support systems are important, but being able to, venture out in the world and kind of carve your own path without having the safety net without having that's good to have but almost yeah. play the game like you don't have it right and and try it because i said what i said dude what happens if something happened if we're out in the woods and something happened to daddy what would you do mm-hmm. could you could you could you survive you know like i try to give them that like thought of like yeah you know like okay what what would I do? What were I, you know, what I think about, how would I, you know, how would I go about my day and trying to get him to think more as like, you know, you're an independent person versus I think sometimes a lot of folks like, yeah, I have the safety net of the job or this or that. I don't really need to take the plunge, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's this concept called, uh, that I learned in, in my psychotherapy studies called the secure base. Right. So it, so long as you know, internally you have the secure base you do have mom you do have dad you do have support right but then acting as if that secure base is not there um that is what ultimately leads to those experiences of great risk but ultimately good fortune yeah i want to ask one thing too going back to the the signing have you, and, and listen, I know a lot of us, we want to, we want to say that, it, you know, oh, well, people don't affect us or what people say don't affect us and whatever. But the reality is 
it does affect us. And some people, the way they say things or the labels they put on us affect us more than others, right? Some have more influence. But yeah. can you think of, I'm curious how you handle this, because obviously that you said friends and family that were there that were supportive, they've probably been along yeah. the process. Mm-hmm. But and, and maybe no one showed up in the signing like this, but just in general, someone that you hadn't talked to three, four, five years, you know, that you've crossed paths with that's like, hey, wait, what are you doing now? Yeah. Like, wait, what? Like, because you're such a different person than you were back then. Have you had any of those experiences or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I just got off of a, of a, a meeting with a guy called Guy Winch, who is one of one of the the leading psychologists and and minds in therapy in the in the world right now. And he said something that was very, you know, it was a, in passing, but it, it really hit me. He was like, you know, you could tell people not to care about what others think, but you know, that doesn't work. That's not true. I was like, wow, it's a therapist just, just said that. And I totally agree. Like what other people think matters. You can't live just inside your own head all the time. It, it matters how other people view and perceive you. So uh, just to, to, to mention something to you about that, I, th- I thought it was important, but yeah, you know, thinking about, uh, one story comes to mind, like with people who see what I put out on LinkedIn, you know, cause my connections on LinkedIn way back when were, were professional, they were like trying to get an internship from my college days and in, in banking or finance or consulting. And, and now if I reconnect or they stay reach out and they'll be like, wow, this, this, you know, you're the, you're the positive self-help guy now, you know, and it's like, okay, that's, that transformation may be surprising to some, but others, when I tell, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a therapist or I, I write books about how people can lead better lives. They're like, Oh, that's, that's such a perfect fit. Right. So I think the ultimate message, Brian is like, assess the people first who are saying something to you. If the people are, are part of your world, if they're your quote unquote tribe, right then those opinions probably do matter than more than the others. Right. But if they're just, if they're just comments, one off people you haven't spoken to in a while and they, they rub you the wrong way. Um, you know, certainly understand them, but really think about where those comments are, are coming from and think about maybe how that person's life is, is going compared more so than your own. Right? I think the perspective on it is, so relevant it's where where are they at because because i think some folks because i used to be like this so i can kind of look in this perspective was some folks want to complain or make excuses or say oh why are they doing that because they actually want to be doing something and they're not and they see you kind of in that pure group of like wait a minute why is he doing this how is he doing this and there Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's jealousy or envy there I, i certainly had those you know those feelings, I guess you can call them back a long time ago. So I can kind of relate, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's, you, you know, take stock and folks like a, if a rich says something to you or to me, you know, both a mentor, to both of us, then yeah, I'm going to take more stock in that than if someone just mm-hmm. off the street makes a comment. Cause I don't know their background. Where are they coming from? Why are they making that? Do they know the whole story? Right. You know, are they just headline reading or do they actually know the deep depths of where I've come from? You know. That's right. And you, you know, you mentioned that the, the most important things when we don't know something, right. We don't know for sure. 
we make up a story, right? We have to create a story and the stories that we can tell ourselves for me, what are more helpful are the ones that sort of provide empathy for whoever the other person is, as opposed to the ones that critically, you know, judge ourselves. So it is, it does come back to storytelling. When you were in the book sign, I gotta, I gotta ask just for fun. How, yeah. how, how long did you practice your signature for? Did did you practice it I have, or did you I have, have it down? I have chicken scratch handwriting anyway. So my real practicing and prep for that signing was like, I'm going to come with 10 one-liners that are somewhat related to the book so that if anybody like compares their first page, they see that um, I have different messages for everybody. Yeah. So it's like, you know, make tomorrow better versus somebody else gets like, you like keep, keep uh, shining, you know, to make better tomorrows, right? Like he be in theme with tomorrow world. So that was my real prep. But then my, my signature is, is scribble, man. I'm, I have chicken scratch handwriting. I like that point though, of kind of like come up with, you know, some stock phrasing. So you don't have to think of something on the spot and then yeah. kind of use that throughout. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That was, that was my only prep, you know, and, and it matters to me this goes back to you. It matters to me how other people perceive interactions with me and, and how, you know, um, their time was because I, I try to think ahead. Right. So if, if I get two signings in a row and, and the two people happen to be friends, this is how my mind works. And, and they both get, you know, to Nicole, um, thanks for coming, have a great day. And the next person gets to Miranda, thanks for coming, have a great day. Then they might look at one another and say, oh, you know, he just kind of said the same thing to both of us, right? Yeah. But if I can, I can personalize it to Nicole, make tomorrow brighter, to Miranda, keep on shining, keep reading, thanks so much, right? Then their experience is like more personalized, you know? So I, I try to think about these little things when I go into uh, a signing like that. I'll ask everybody a question. I'll say, you know, what are you doing today? Where are you coming from? So each each interaction is like 30 seconds as opposed to just like, here's a book, sign it, go on to the next person. Here's a book, sign it, go on to the next person. And um, that, was there a, that stuff matters. Was there like a stock time you were going to be there? Or was it just like, hey, once if people stop showing up, I stop doing it? Like, what was the what was the parameters behind it? I was supposed to be there from, I think it was two to two thirty, and I ended up staying. I ended up going from two to three forty-five, hmm. um, just because I maybe it was me, but I spent too much time with each person writing each message, um, and thankfully there were a good number of people uh, who wanted to come and get the book signed. I mean, partially because people are going, my friends are going around the whole store giving out free unsigned books. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it was, it was fun. Well, and it's actually a good point. Cause I'd like to talk a lot of this podcast about the before and after, you know, we, we, and we, we look at this from a fitness standpoint, we talk about the before and after rarely do we talk about the middle period and kind of get to this point. Um, but if I go to the beginning, none of this happens. We're talking a lot about the signing and some of those emotions you had and those interactions. None of this happens if you don't take those days in March of 2020 to write the book mm -hmm. or to at least start the process. Sure. And I, I would love to hear your encouragement for folks because, again, a similar story where I wrote this, this next children's book that's coming out in, May, or, uh, in April of 2020. 
in that in that month, I wrote the basically 90% of it. And to, to your point earlier, it's like, you know, changing of where you were years ago to now, a lot of that probably came down to confidence that, hey, I can put this out here, I could do this. Mm-hmm. So as a long winded question, like, what is your encouragement for folks that are they have an idea in their head, it may not be writing a book, it could be something totally different to get out there and actually get started with it. Yeah, uh, I have I have a couple different thoughts on this, right? So whenever I think about you and, and your message and just getting started, right, I, I, I equate that with courage, taking the initiative, and this concept that my my mom and I have created throughout the years of what's the worst thing that can happen if you present yourself in the best way? Nothing, right? Because you, if you do the work yourself, right? If you want to, if you want to reach out to somebody, if you want to start something, if you're, if you are secure in who you are, then everything external kind of fades away, right? So that's one thing. And then the other part is, um, this is a, another concept that I'd really try to, to hone in on in my own experiences, like being proud of one thing, right? Like picking out one thing first and foremost, as opposed to everything, right? So here's my example for that. Cause I know that's kind of general. Um, when I set out to write this, this book, you know, what I'm most proud of looking on the whole thing is that I had the idea. I'm proud of the idea of this book, right? So when I had an editor and we changed up the text and I got all these red markings with the content and the writing was like not up to snuff, that was okay with me. You know, my editor was like, I can't believe you're not like more upset about this. Or I have all my clients are the, are the, you know, they're like, no, I'm not changing this. And I was just like, look, I'm proud of the idea, but I know this is a collaborative opportunity. So I'm going to leave the writing and the editing up to the, the, those who are more expert at it than I am, right. More experienced Mm -hmm. at it than I am. So, so I'm proud of the idea that I have, as opposed to the sales, the attached to the writing attached to the number of events that I do, right. Like at its very base, I'm always reminded of my pride in having the initial thought and then everything else that comes after is like, sure, it matters, of course. But ultimately, you know, I still did, you know, I still did this. It it all came from here. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't have the, like you had to have everything figured out is what you're saying. Basically it's like, just start, get your idea going, whatever it is. And then the other stuff kind of, get help or, or figure it out or whatever. It doesn't have to be all in place. Day one is, is what yeah. I gather from that a little bit too. Yeah. But also, but also I would say um, it's, a, it's about what you attach yourself to within the process. Right. So if it's not the idea that you're proud of and, and you look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being attached to the sales aspect or mm-hmm. making money out of it. Right. But if that is the thing that you find that you're leaning toward that you, you want to be most proud of, then put, you know, make your focus on that and sort Mm -hmm. of everything else, like you said, you know, allow there to be some process around it. Mm -hmm. So what do you, tell me a little bit about what you're, you mentioned you're doing some, you know, kind of getting some certifications and and therapy Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. What, What are you kind of excited about? What's the next few months 
year look like for if you if, if you're on the podcast in two years from now again what are you excited about yeah so i think it's gonna be a lot more of the same but i'll be able to uh take more experiences from my firsthand um clinical work in the field so i'm getting my master's in social work and with a, a clinical focus on mental health and and therapy um, so right now I've, I'm at an internship with substance using adolescents at a residential treatment facility and I'm doing family therapy. So I get to do clinical work with kids. I get to do clinical work with adults, the parents, and then I get to bring them all together. I get to lead and facilitate groups, support groups, multifamily groups, um, so what I do, and, and in the next couple of years, what I keep planning to do is I, I write books that are representations of real life, right? So because I have more experiences with, with human beings and in a clinical space, now I can write more stories that somewhat represent, you know, the mental health journeys, the, the struggles, the, the, um, the wins, the victories of the people that I'm working with. And, and how I do that is, is through, uh, you know, fictionalization of it in these parables, fables, allegories that I work on. And ultimately, you know, this storytelling piece, whatever medium it might be, books, LinkedIn posts, video creation. Um, so, so what I say is that I try to like reimagine the way we look at personal development or mental health. Um, so that's what I'll keep doing, but now I'll have more informed practice because I'm so immersed in the space. If folks want to say hello to you online, where's the best spot? LinkedIn. That's where, yeah, that's where you're spending the most time. Jordan Gross on LinkedIn. And I, I have like an OCD where I have to have a clean inbox. You know, if, uh, if I get a message, I have to say hello back. What uh any any last uh, bits of encouragement, thoughts, insights, quotes, anything like that you'd share with the audience before we part ways? I think you know what we talked about this episode and with this book, what happens in tomorrow world in particular, and the message that you share so often is my experience came from not being afraid to reach out to an individual who sometimes, you know, we think we have no business reaching out to, or we can't, we can't add or contribute to that person's life. So, so why would they want to contribute to ours? Right. So this is the story with John Gordon and reaching out and, and not being afraid to, to get started on an email, right. To him, to, to get started on the book beforehand. Right. So what I would say is, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to reiterate, you know, me and my mom's advice, right. Um, it could be really scary to, to start something, especially if it's like a, a, any form of contact of another individual. Um, but even more so than that, the common adage of like the worst thing that can happen is that they say no. Um, if you present yourself in the best possible way, right? If you think ahead, if you mm-hmm. think of how they can ill perceive your, your message, if you think of how it could rub them the wrong way, and then you tailor your message to sort of avoiding any of those potential thoughts, then the only thing that they can say is no, right? So anytime you want to reach out to somebody, um, just make sure that that you are being thoughtful, um, careful, and, and considerate and kind. 
and then go ahead and, and make that reach out because that, that always, you know, can be appreciated. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to end it on, man. Um, thanks. Sir. Thanks so much for joining again. This was fun to, uh, to catch yeah. up and glad to, uh, glad to be a connection with you and be in your world. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me back. I think it's a great idea to bring people back from years in the past and see what they're up to. It's a nice little spin that I don't think many podcasts do. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone, just one more quick thing before you skip along in your day. You know, if you do enjoy this content or other things that I've put out or just enjoy learning more and trying to adapt your thinking uh, to become happier each and every day, there's a couple of things that you may benefit from. Um, If you go to my website, brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe, you can sign up for my newsletter that goes out once a week. And that's really a digest of a lot of information that I gather throughout the weeks, whether it's a new video that I think could be informative or a podcast that's been valuable to me, book that I might read, etc. Um, secondly, I blog three times a week, and these are more micro blogs, one to five minute reads, short digestible blogs that'll send right to your inbox on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. So check that out on my website, brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe if you think it's something you might enjoy. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.